Hello everyone and welcome to the kickabout. Chelsea lay down a marker and Lingard returns to haunt the hammers. I'm your host Chris. I'm Fran. And I'm Dan. Surprise, Fran's back. Yay! You had us all, you had us all hanging for a minute. Thought we would, we would lose you for two weeks. We've got two weeks off. Well, did you miss nice. us that much or was it... Was he, were, you, was, were you concerned that Shira was taking your spot? Well, I do get a bit nervous that they might, our listeners might prefer him. No, our listeners love you. I hope so. He's a Newcastle fan. No one wants a Newcastle fan. No one sure. needs that. No one needs that. <laughs> oh dear. Well, I hope you had a nice week off. I hope you're raring to go. Did you uh, Did you listen to the, the show? Did you hear me smash Dan last week? Bit of I have heard. I wouldn't say smash. <laughs> <laughs> it was a win. Therefore, it counts as a smash. Uh, yeah, I've heard it's not going well for Dan. Oh well, three two to me is it? Is it yeah, not? three two. Three two. Still early days. Damn. I know. All over it. Right, on with the show and on with this. Down the stat man. So I um, thought I'd go for a, uh, a Brighton one today. Nice. I didn't want to go for one of the big teams. I thought after the start well, they've had... Well, fourth place, man. I think they can... They, yeah, they are a big team at the moment. The start they've had, they've, um, they deserve it. So um, only one player has netted more Premier League goals for Brighton than Neil Morpay. Any ideas who that is? In their history of them being in the Premier League? In the Premier League. Okay. Um... I have a feeling I might know who it is. Okay. Ooh. Might know. For a, for a change, I might actually have a clue. But I've said this in the past and embarrassed myself, so we'll, uh, we'll hold off on that one. So, um, we won't do a Fantasy League update. As we said, we do that sort of every other week. Uh, but I will say is that I didn't have a very good weekend this weekend. Completely forgot about my team and left it on Patrick Bamford to be captain. Although that could have been worse. He still got me 10 yeah, points. It could have been worse. Mine wasn't great, to be fair. And I did keep an eye on mine, so... Yeah, Traore at the crossbar. Yeah, well, I had Trent who didn't play. Yeah. <laughs> and then looking at my bench, Ben Rama was the first one to come off the bench in order, but that would have left me with two defenders. So obviously he wouldn't oh, yeah, do so that. So it defender. skips to the next one. Yeah. Of course, it was Creswell. So I, yeah, I think he got like got one. one point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not a good weekend. I think I've uh, relinquished several places in the league. It's all quite close though, which is good. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um... I guess one other quick thing to mention is that we are working on some other bits and pieces uh, for the show. We've got some uh, merchandise stuff we're looking at, and also we've got a a Patreon page. For those of you who know or don't know what that is, um, effectively it's a way that you guys can help support the show. It's completely optional, and the show will go on without it, without you doing that anyway. But it just means that we have the opportunity to get fans a bit more involved as a, as a benefit of doing that sort of thing. Um, and there'll be various tiers. It'll all be explained. Once we, once we kind of nail down the details, um, we'll obviously go into more detail on social media and on the show just to let everyone know what's happening. But yeah, hopefully we can really start expanding the show. All, all the money will go back into the show. So it will go back into advertising, into potentially new equipment. Um, well, I do we'll... need some new boots. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be fair, we need a new shelf in the bathroom as well. So... Um, right, okay, let's get on with the show. So we're going to start with not the kickabout derby um, because there was potentially a, an even better game to talk about. But it's rare that you get two amazing Super Sunday games, one after the other, but mm. we were treated to uh, a good one this weekend. So we'll start with Tottenham-Chelsea. It was a day that started off with a bit of sadness, obviously, the, the, um, the passing of Spurs and Chelsea legend Jimmy Greaves. I mean... I'd want, I wanted to touch on some of the records that he has because I knew he, I knew he was a great player. And I think everyone did, but I don't think I actually knew just how good he was. 
Um, so he began his career at uh, Chelsea before going to AC Milan, uh, then went to Spurs, and then actually had a very, very short spell at West Ham. I think it was like one season before he then retired. Um, Gary Lineker said, quite possibly one of the best strikers this country has ever produced. And if you look at his stats, it's hard to hard to argue. He's got the most goals in the English top flight. Uh, so he's record holder with 357 goals. Uh, he got 266 in 379 games for Spurs. Uh, his tally of 41 goals in the 1960-61 season is a record to this day for Chelsea. And he also holds the Spurs record with 37 uh, the very next year. Uh, sorry, the year after 62-63. to 63. And he's fourth in the list of England all-time goal scorers. Uh, and of course, was part of the 66 World Cup winning squad. Got injured in the group stages, didn't make the final. Or he got away, so he was fit for the final, but didn't play. Mm. And we all know how that turned out with Jeff Hurst getting the hat-trick. Mm. So... An amazing stuff uh, from an amazing man. Um, I'm sure he'll be missed by many, but uh, he was well honoured on the day. Mm. Uh, maybe not, I think Spurs obviously <coughs> was his main club, I think you would say, so maybe not uh, honoured particularly well by Spurs today. Yeah. That day. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, what did you guys make of, of the of the Chelsea performance? Smashed it, didn't they? Second half. Second half, it is, First yeah. half was, first, like, the first 20 minutes was definitely more Tottenham. Yeah. I think to an extent, and then... Yeah, like, I mean, like we said before, he took Mason Mount off and then it all sort of, second half was just bosh, mm. bosh, bosh, was just Chelsea. I think there was a point at the start of the game when Regalon went through on goal and he started to try and sort of yeah. pass it across goal. He should have just gone for goal. I mean, he still had probably another five yards in front mm. of him that he yeah. could have gone forward. Um, was this really a performance from Chelsea that really confirmed what everyone thought about them. I mean, we, we perhaps didn't quite get to see it against Liverpool because of the red card and how mm. that affected the game. We've long suspected this season that the Lukaku purchase is the final piece in the puzzle. We know Tuchel was very good manager. Was this, the especially the second half performance, was this right? Okay, Chelsea really are, they do mean business this mm. year. I don't know because I already thought that. <laughs> I've, I think I've thought it since it started. I, I, I suppose the difference between thinking and actually seeing it. I guess so, but I do think the the man the city game was a big um was it City? What's the what was the game before where Liverpool. there was a Liverpool. Liverpool, that's it. I think that was the one for me where I was like they got this. Yeah, I mean defensively in that it was a very two two different performances defensively they were so good in that game. Yeah. Whereas this one it was a bit of the other, it was the control. It was like training the by the end of it. Second half certainly was, yeah. Um I mean I'm I guess I'm really struggling to find weaknesses in this team now. You know what? I made the comparison earlier, which you'll hate. Um, they're a bit like City in the sense that everyone's just bashing goals in. They don't necessarily. I know they have Lukaku as like their striker, but everyone loves a bit of a goal, doesn't they? Yeah, I, I feel maybe Lukaku is helping with that because he's occupying some defenders. Yeah, um, not, he's not doing a bad job. But just they are quite similar to City at, at, at the minute. I'm not letting it go. Yeah. <laughs> not letting it go. At the minute that they're letting anyone bosh. Starting the argument early. List of, uh... Yeah, you starting the argument argument early, Frank. We're not doing City until the second I'm half. I'm starting of the show. this argument early. You made me put it out as a question, Chris. <laughs> um, but I mean, if you look through the team, I mean, they even put Kepper in goal. Mm. I mean, I don't know whether that's just unbelievable confidence from Tuchel or massive disrespect towards Tottenham to put Kepper in goal. What, as in above Mendy, their third choice? What's wrong with... Mendy was injured. Oh, OK. Oh, yeah. I stand corrected. <laughs> I saw him on the bench. I yeah, just, yeah. I, obviously, I missed the bit that he they went through. He was injured against Zenit. Is it Zenit they played? 
Um, yes, I think so. He was injured in the Champions League. Yeah, he took a knock, and that's why apparently he wasn't being able to dive properly. That makes sense then. Okay, I did wonder when I saw that. Obviously, I didn't didn't know, and I did wonder why you would drop Mendy for for Kepa in a a London derby. But that makes sense. Um, So, one one player that really did impress me was Thiago Silva. Um, Guy's Mm. 35 years old, I believe. Mm. Um, And he's still... He might be 36. 37 I think he's going to be 37 so 36 years old I mean he just looks like he's got years left in the tank Yeah, yeah. he looks so calm so good on the ball Mm. Um, and him and Rudiger have got one hell of a partnership I know Mm. they sort of play a bit of a back three don't they Yeah, at times with Christensen in there as well they just look so solid I think it helps being at that age having two other centre backs playing next to you I think he'd probably struggle maybe in a back four Mm -hmm. also the pundits said they said he was like a rock Mm. They were just like, then they've got this bloody rock at the back mm. of Thiago Silva. He just, I mean, they've obviously, one of the other things they needed to fix the other year was the defensively yeah. Thiago Silva mm. was brought in. Didn't hit the ground running initially and then had a few injuries here and there. Yeah. But when he has played, for the most part, he has made a massive difference to that defence. And people talk about the influence that Van Dijk has had on the Liverpool defence. And you would say that Thiago Silva seems to have had a very similar mm. effect on the Chelsea defence. Yeah. I think a um, heavily underrated player for Chelsea is Azpilicueta as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, being, he's in his mid-30s and for him to be just pushed out right wing back yeah. and still do an awesome job. I saw a stat about him, I think it was last week, that in the seven or eight years that he's been at Chelsea, he has not made a single mistake that's led to a goal. Really? He's not made yeah. a single mistake that's led to a goal. That is an incredible statistic yeah. for a defender. I feel like he always seems to go under the radar. No one ever really talks about him because I guess he doesn't he's really... Been yeah, he doesn't really yeah. score sort mm-hmm. of these like silver hero. goals and stuff yeah. like that. And Yeah, yeah, he is um, He is something. I mean, as, as, a, as a West Ham fan, I should be really... Like annoyed at seeing someone like Chelsea perform so well, but actually, mm. when you take a step back and look at them, I mean that game yesterday could have been five or six, yeah. and it mm-hmm. wouldn't have flattered Chelsea in that second half. Mm. There was a couple of times where it's almost like when you're when we're training, and almost every, the defense kind of stops and can't be bothered. You're clean for on goal, and all of a sudden you can't be bothered to score because it just doesn't seem right that everyone else has stopped. Yeah, and there was a moment where Kovacic went clean through, yeah. and it just felt like that. It felt like what? Why have you? Why have you not just put that in? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, an amazing performance from Chelsea. Do you think that, um, or how do you think the game is going to go next week? I mean, City next week is a huge game. Um, Chelsea City, yeah. Yeah. Uh, be interested to see if Lukaku, because obviously there's that whole thing around Lukaku not scoring in big games, and obviously he's not scored against Spurs. Well, they didn't play that. Galore in that game, didn't Chris. play that bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, be interested if he can see if he can score against City. Um, I think Chelsea. If I were to put money on a team. I would put it on Chelsea. It's at Stamford Bridge as well. Yeah, I would put it on Chelsea. That's going to be one. It's, it's, it's the early game on Saturday as well. Mm. So that's going to that- that's a BT Sport job at half twelve. Yeah. Why do they do that? <laughs> <laughs> so um, Roy Keane never one to mince his words, as as we all know and love. Uh, he was in the studio with Mika Richards and Graham Sooner, probably the the holy trinity of um, of pundits when you put them all together and the chemical mix that that becomes. You've got poor old Mika Richards trying to defend the players and just getting absolutely <laughs> abused by Sooness and, and Roy Keane. Um, Roy Keane was scathing about Spurs and about uh, Harry Kane. And when I've got some of the quotes that he said here, he said, I couldn't believe how bad Spurs were. Um, you can have an off day and sometimes you lose to quality, but there is a pure lack of desire from Spurs uh, for, for the second and the third goals. I'm very angry watching Spurs. So I'm, I'm pretty angry from watching 
the difference in desire and wanting to win a football match we see for the second goal. Chelsea won the ball back and Tottenham just didn't do the basics. I'm talking about closing players down and putting your body on the line. Um, do you think that's harsh or do you think that that's justified? Um, I don't know. First half, I thought it was a game of two teams. So maybe a little bit harsh, but yeah, second that half. That sounds like a Michael Aaron quote to me, that one. Mm. <laughs> second, second half, yeah. Second half, enough. yeah, I think Chelsea came out to win that game and Spurs just didn't. I feel like Spurs are just out. a bit stuck. They're just like, I feel like they don't know what they're aiming for, yeah. what they're doing. They're just sort of playing. Mm. I know what you mean. It does feel like at the moment they don't really seem to have a play or a game plan no. as such. Um, they obviously started this season quite well. They had the three 1 0 wins, mm. but it's amazing how quickly that narrative has spun now yeah, I just don't think there's enough creativity in that team for me like they've got the back four um, who are all very I mean Tanganga's a very I know he didn't play in that game but he's a very defensive right back a bit like a Wan-Bissaka or Carl Walker he's not attacking at all Reguilon is an attacking fullback, but I mean we've not really ever seen too much from him so far no um, then you've got Dyer who is Dyer? Yeah, I won't go to Dyer. Um, <laughs> Sanchez again, he's not, you know, like a, a Thiago Silva or anything like that. So it's a very defensive back four. And then in front, you've got Hoiberg, who is a, is a good player, but again, yeah, how do you rate him? He's more of a ball winner for me. He's not so much like a playmaker. Yeah, you, you need an in, probably an informed Deli Alley, really, yeah. I guess. Mm. And, um, then you, and then they've got Skip playing as well, who's also a CDM. Yeah, so, he's another ball winner yeah. as well. From what I saw, he's a. Uh, another Hoiberg. So for me, they're playing sort of six, one, three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you touched on there on Regulon about him being an attacking fullback. Could you argue that we haven't seen the best for him because he's got nobody in the box to wait, man? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, Son, he had moments in the game where he looked like he was going to make something happen. Um, certainly, I mean, again, first half only, second half it was dire from, mm. from Spurs, but very, very good from Chelsea. Um, and then, of course, Harry, uh, Roy Keane moved on to Harry Kane. Uh, never one to not be in and amongst the news. Keane was referring to his body language. Um, the fact that, you know, he's saying that Kane is their talisman, that, you know, they'll look to him when moments aren't, aren't great in the team, um, being captain as well. Mm. And he just didn't seem to really... There was nothing from him. It was just so... His body language was so closed and so down almost. Mm. Does he want to be there? Well, against Palace, he didn't have a single shot, did he? No. Um, and it's the first time he's gone four games without scoring a goal since 2015. Yeah, and that's telling, really mm. telling. And he's only had uh, four shots on goal this season. I think, yeah, that's just wearing off on all the team, I think. I just think they're just lost. I mean, this really isn't the Harry Kane we know. So I think that, mm. it's, you know, when everyone is talking about it, it's very easy to sit here and pass judgment and throw opinions out there on what's going on with Harry Kane's mind. But when you see Harry Kane now to compared to the three or four, five seasons that we've seen him before, there is so obviously a difference. It can't just be that he's not quite 100% fit or the team isn't yeah. quite fully firing. Because but, even when Spurs went through moments like that, Kane mm, was always there still scoring goals. I was talking to Franz Breber um, over the weekend and was talking to him about Kane. And he was saying that obviously Kane had that sort of thing where he was famous for not being able to score in August. Oh, of course. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, and obviously that was, what, the first three games of the season, mm -hmm. usually? Um, whereas this time he's not had a pre-season. He didn't play those first three games of the season. And so it's almost sort of carried on through so September. September's the new August. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
I suppose there's an argument for saying that, that, you know, he still played catch up a little bit. Mm. Um, but with the fact that these footballers are supposed to be keeping themselves in, in shape, they're, you know, they're training every single day. I don't know whether I would buy that as the, the Yeah, reason. I mean, I don't think it can be an excuse. I, you can't really be one of the best strikers in the world and not be able to score in August, to be honest. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, one of the issues that keeps coming up as well is that he's still coming very, very deep to try and get the ball and get on the yeah, ball. Yeah, that's one of my biggest bugs. Um, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because when he started doing that for Mourinho we were all lauding him about how amazing it was that he was everywhere. He was defending, mm. he was putting his body on the line, he was everywhere. But he was, crucially, he was still scoring goals and he was creating a lot of goals. Because that part has now dried up, the narrative is, we'll stop coming so deep to get the ball, go back up front. Mm. But when he did that at the weekend, I mean, when he swapped at some point in the second half with Son, I think it was, and Kane went back up through the middle, again, it just completely dried up and I don't think he barely touched the ball. Yeah, I just... I just... I just don't think he needs to be doing the CDM and the right back and, you know, everyone else's jobs. He, he needs to be, to be concentrating on his own job, especially when he's not scoring. If he's scoring one, two goals every game, then fair enough. If he can manage to do the defensive duties as well, then fair enough. But yeah. you when can't. you're having zero shots against Palace and, I, I don't know, one shot against Chelsea, whatever he had, I don't know what he had, but, you know, when you're not having any shots, mm. then you need to be as far up the pitch as possible, as often as possible. Yeah, and I just feel like that he's just not occupying. If defenders are having it easy against Spurs because mm. the centre backs aren't having to mark anybody, mm. um, and I remember actually, you know, I've done four FA coaching badges. Most of them was when I was a lot younger, but I distinctly remember one of the sessions at the on the level two was that when they were doing like a an attack v defence style drill, what they what they were very keen to emphasise is that they don't want players cramming spaces now it sounds very obvious to say that you don't want to have sort of bees around a honeypot type stuff but he said one of the reasons you don't want to do it is because if i come if you've got the ball dan and i'm running at you to come and get the ball what that's telling you subliminally is that i don't trust you enough to do something with it therefore give it to me and it sort of feels like that's that's what's going on with harry kane that he's dropping into all these positions mm. maybe he doesn't have the faith in the team and then he feels like he's got to do it yeah um be interesting if he did the same thing at somewhere like city yeah, I don't think Guardia. Um, wouldn't let him. Oh, no, I was going to say I don't think Guardia would let him. No, I mean Sunez goes on to say um, that Jose Mourinho was credited with finding this new position um, for 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 Harry Kane when he came deep and all that. Um, Kane is someone who can see a pass and he's, and he's a you know he's a very good striker of the ball. We saw that goal he scored for England um, from long range against Poland, was it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he said for strikers. Um, Sorry, let me start again. He said he really came home during the recent England game against Poland when the ball was going wide. He was making no attempt to get into the box and he's sort of almost looking for the ball to be rolled back to him. For strikers, as they get older, they like to drop deeper as they don't want to be up against the centre half. And he said, That's what I'm beginning to see in Harry Kane. I hope I'm <laughs> wrong, but he doesn't feel like he's playing as a, a centre forward. It's almost like somebody needs to point out to him that he mm. is a centre forward. So does he have a point there? Do you think that this is just sort of like a natural... I mean, he's not... He's only 27, 28? Yeah, I mean, I would expect that sort of comment to be put at a striker who's maybe about 32, 33. Mm. Um, so I don't know what, I really don't know what the fix is here. Um, mm. Is Nuno the man to fix it, I guess, is the question. Fix Harry Kane, fix Spurs. Oh, big statement. Mm. Love that. Maybe they should put that Headline. on a Maybe they should put that on a mug and then give, <laughs> give it to Nuno. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, you know, Spurs won five of their first four games, one nil. Um, all of a sudden in the week they've conceded eight goals now obviously they've conceded two midweek in, in Europe lost two Premier League games and drawn in Europe this week um, 
they've got Wolves, Arsenal and Villa their next three um, football does change very quickly as we just sort of said and all of a sudden you know you get two wins from those three Arsenal's their next game isn't it? Uh, is it? Maybe, maybe, sure. maybe Wolves is a cup game maybe I've got yeah, that yeah. maybe I've got I'm that wrong sure they've got Arsenal yes you're right yeah because we're talking about the North London <laughs> God, Derby I hope they win that <laughs> um, so yeah it is amazing how football can change that quickly as we said so a win against Arsenal, especially North London derby, that will probably sh- shut a few people up. Good thing about being a Spurs fan at the moment is that he's not an Arsenal fan. <laughs> well, I mean, we'll say that. I might as well say it now. Actually, Simon next door, um, he put on Instagram about. I hope you guys mentioned that this so-called worst start for Arsenal this season. If they beat Spurs next week, all of a sudden they've got the same points as Spurs do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I've seen so much from Arsenal fans like going large and stuff that you know they're making their way back up the tail. But I should, I should imagine a lot of that. It's got to be tongue in cheek, surely. Yeah, I mean they played Norwich and Burnley, and the, both games are one nil. Yeah, um, but yeah, you've got to start somewhere. So. Exactly. Right, let's move on. Let's move on to the game that everyone's here to come and talk about: West Ham United. <laughs> um, part one of the Kickabout Derby with part two this week. Mm. And we were just saying before we aired, we did a. For those of you that don't know, we did a, a watch-along <laughs> last season in the FA Cup. One of the most boring games I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, we toyed with the idea of like doing something this weekend or even just going to the pub, but um, you guys had prior arrangements, so we couldn't. But what a game this would have been to I to, wish yeah. we had. We've, We've done two watch-alongs, haven't we? One for England, one for... Oh, yeah, we did the England-Scotland yeah. game, didn't we? <laughs> been poor, so... Maybe I'll do it on next time we play you at Old Trafford, just yeah. so I can guarantee we'll get a point. Um... Obviously, both sides came into this game with very mixed fortunes from midweek. We had United losing to young boys in West Ham, uh, beating Zagreb in their first European game for 40-odd years. Um, So differing experiences midweek doesn't really always translate across to Premier League form. Mm. Um, But it was a a controversial game at points, certainly towards the end. We'll get into some of these decisions because there was a lot of them. And it's probably the first time that VAR has really been properly centre stage mm, this weekend, this yeah. uh, this season and it wasn't just this game either there's one or two other decisions <laughs> elsewhere that were also quite questionable yeah. um, so before we get to those decisions um, it's another game where Man United have gone behind and have come back to win this is just when's it going to end mm. um, yeah I mean it's nice like those games where you score a last minute winner and obviously United I think that's one of the things they're most famous for is scoring a in Fergie, Fergie time, time as they yeah. call it. Um, they are the best ways to win, I think. When you score that last minute goal, and you know you think you think you're drawing or you think you're losing, and you get the late last minute equaliser, etc. But maybe not every single game as it, <laughs> as it seems to be. I did. I did like the you fact that clearly yeah. United thought so highly of West Ham that they celebrated very hard after the full time whistle. Yeah, but I think they were celebrating. I saw so many people saying that. <laughs> celebrate like we'd won the league but I think because they, they didn't have time to celebrate De Gea saving the penalty because if you notice De Gea was the one in the middle of all of that and they were yeah, all around yeah, De Gea yeah. celebrate it wasn't we weren't lifting the trophy like <laughs> and to be fair he hasn't saved the penalty in like five or well, six years no, so exactly, maybe they yeah. were just trying to big him up a bit yeah. um, Solskjaer said after the game that he was pleased with the attacking play from United but he said they had things to work on defensively mm. um, I mean you won the game with McFred I suppose that's worth saying um, Fred didn't do anything wrong, I wouldn't say, but he certainly wasn't. He didn't stand out as doing anything That's particularly the thing. well. Just, he doesn't do anything. <laughs> he's just there, and it just. I don't know. I feel. I don't know what he's going to do. For me, I'm looking long term, and he keeps trying to play Pogba left wing. Mm-hmm. You know, when Rashford comes back, 
what's going to happen then? Like, because we've still got Sancho as well. Yeah. You've got Rashford and Sancho. You can't tell me they're going to be on the bench so that Pogba can play left wing. And then you've still got Greenwood. Cavani. And I want to see Mason Greenwood playing as much as possible. I yeah, think he was Mason quite Greenwood, quiet this weekend, wasn't he? he? Yeah, but at the same time, if Ronaldo had bloody squared that ball to him, do you know the one I'm on about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went, Ronaldo went through and then he tried to do a few step overs and I think he kicked it against one of your defenders. If it had just laid that across, Greenwood would have had Is that the one where Kufal came sliding back yeah, in yeah, and, then yeah. Zuma, and then Zuma got him on the yeah, second attempt? But yeah, but Greenwood was open then. But yeah, other than that, he was fairly quiet. But... Yeah, I mean, defensively, there were some shaky moments, particularly, I mean, Maguire looked pretty assured. He had the mm. odd moment here and there, but Varane looked quite shaky in the yeah, weekend. Yeah. Does that worry you at all? Not really. I think he's still bedding in. We've seen it. Well, you saw Thiago Silva last season. Mm-hmm. I mean, his very first game, he gave away a goal. He fell over the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. So, you know, for Varane to have a, the odd shaky game, I'm not too fast. Yeah. I, I was very end-to-end game. I thought um, United controlled reasonable portions of the game. West Ham very clearly had the... It wasn't the West Ham of last season. So yeah. when we played against United last year, especially at Old Trafford, it was very much contained for as long as humanly possible to see if you can snatch a goal mm. but this one felt like we were a bit more adventurous um, and when we had the ball we did make good use of it at times yeah. we played some good stuff um, we took the lead through a, a massive slice of luck from uh, <laughs> Ben Rama's shot which went polar opposite side of the goal um, and I've got a sort of I, um, I sort of put my neck out here a little bit because I said obviously that Man City would struggle without a striker this year and um, we will get to that. But West Ham, despite Bowen's effort, seriously missed An- Antonio, I think, in this game as well. Mm. I so. said that as well. when During the transfer, I said, you know, West Ham needs to sign a strike. And you said, well, we have got Bowen <laughs> out front. I think if this had been against not a team like United, we would we probably would have got away with it. Yeah. Because Bowen actually did work very hard. He did mm. do his best, but he's not Antonio. He's not got that presence, that strength, yeah. the the hold-up play, the, the aerial ability. You know, when we're getting people like Creswell on the ball from those areas and he's looking up and he's thinking who the fuck do I aim for mm. I've got to put this pin perfect between the two defenders and hope that somebody's there because otherwise you're aiming at Fornells, Bowen or Vlasic mm. who are all about five foot four but does this not worry you for the future massively because obviously I know Antonio's only banned um, so he's coming straight back it's not like he's coming back from an injury but we all know what he's like for injuries. It worries me more because of Europe as well. Mm. Um, so it's going to be very interesting to see how Moyes handles this because there's no way Antonio can play two games a week every no. week. Um, so And he he obviously played Thursday, and I suspect he only played the full 90 because Moyes because knew he, he wasn't was, playing yeah, Saturday play. or yeah. Sunday, sorry. I um, he'll play on Wednesday. <laughs> I suspect Whether. he will. Do you think? I suspect he will play because <laughs> we've got Leeds next weekend. Yeah. Um, I suspect he will play Tuesday. He probably won't play the full 90. Yeah. He'll play against Leeds and then he won't play in Europe. He could smash Leeds. That's why I think, I, I, I think given the choice, if, if Moyes is in thinking in his head, I can only afford one game with mm. Antonio, I think he has to play him against Leeds. As much as I want a cut run, mm. um, I don't think you can look past what West Ham need to do in the league to try and get in Europe again next year. No, I think that's more important, like trying to <clears throat> stay up in the league um, and try and get European football again. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're going to go on a cap, cup run, Carabao Cup's probably the least favourable one. But do you know what the, the worst thing about this striker situation is? It's not that we haven't signed anyone, that's bad enough. Is that we've actually let one or two of the youngsters go who are strikers. Mm. So Antonio is literally, even including youth, the only recognised striker in the entire West Ham squad. Mm. Um, I don't know what we've got at like under 18 level. Um, yeah, but, but mean, you can't chuck you can't chuck them in, yeah. can you? 
So, yeah, people are going to have to dig in. I mean, Yarmolenko was rubbish when he came on. He was lethargic. I think Moyes was even having a go at him at one point for his oh, lack really? of effort when he came on. Um, he looked like he was already knackered when he came on. <laughs> I don't know if he'd just done like a couple of laps of the car park before he came on. Um, but yeah, he just he was poor. Yeah, I know he won the penalty, but he was he was very poor. Um, so let's um, uh, let's talk United just briefly on the goals. Ronaldo, I mean, it was a given he was going to score. A because he's Ronaldo, and B because he's got mm. a very good record against uh, West Ham. Yeah, but another world he ever ball in from Fernandez. Yeah. You think about his ball midweek. He's unfortunate this one as well. not to get the assist as well. Of course, yeah, because it was a rebound, yeah, so he won't rebound. get credited with the assist. No. Um, you say unfortunate, is that because he's in your dream team? No, he's not in my dream oh, okay. team. <laughs> no, I just feel for him, because obviously I think a lot of people, I mean, if you talk about dreams, I think a lot of people took him out, including me, because yeah. you sort of thought, you know, now Ronaldo's in, he's going to be on pens, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. free kicks, and Bruno won't have that influence. But Well, it's interesting, because what we didn't take <sighs> into account with that is that Man United are no longer going to be given any penalties. Yeah, God, it's gone from <laughs> one extreme to the other, isn't it? But so, I think Ronaldo compliments Bruno yeah, the fact he does. that he's always on the end of these yeah. these balls so it was very interesting in this in this constant Ronaldo Messi debate about who's the better player and, this, and that and the other we finally got the opportunity to see Messi in a different league and mm. I know it's very early in his PSG career but you look at what happened at the weekend I don't know if you saw this yeah. um, so since this holy holy trio of, of PSG strikers has started the only one who's been really scoring is Ander Herrera. Mm. He's been the one banging in the goals. Messi was hauled off after about 70 minutes, I'm going to yeah. say, on his debut. Hadn't scored or anything. And he snubbed a handshake from Pochettino as he walked past him on the bench. Completely blanked that. him and gave him, the, gave him the evils as well. And when I look at Ronaldo, and I've, I've said this before, I've always thought that Ronaldo was the more selfish person. With that. I, would ex- I would have expected that from more from Ronaldo than I would have mm. done from Lionel Messi. But actually what I'm seeing from Ronaldo is... Uh, is a very different player than what I thought he was in mm. that he is, he's not as greedy as I thought he was. He had his moments, but then he's an unbelievable goal scorer. He's going to yeah. be a bit greedy. Yeah, he's got the confidence to do it on his yeah. own, you know. And when he's got four goals in three games already, I yeah. think it's justified. But I like, <clears throat> and that's why I wanted him, I mean, not just so much on the pitch, but off the pitch as well. Like against young boys, I know we lost, but when he, he got substituted and he was on the touchline, sort of barking, you know, at players and... Almost like he did in the uh, Euros. Yeah, for Portugal. Yeah, yeah. And he does that. And I think that's a massive sort of positive. What was Solskjaer doing at that point? Uh, He was on his Game Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Just sat in his chair on his Nintendo Switch. Um, Let's talk some of these controversial moments then, shall we? Uh, Because there were a few. Um, there There was a penalty decision. We'll start with the West Ham one. There was a, a suspected penalty decision on Suchek where Wambasaka flew in. I think he didn't even know Suchet was mm. there. Um, I <sighs> Apparently there was not... It was never really confirmed actually why think... they gave the other, the decision the other way, whether it was offside or whether he thought that Suchet... No, fouled. I think he gave the foul for Suchet on Wambasaka. Which is an extraordinary decision. I can. Mm. I mean, if you watch the replay, Suchet does know what he's doing. Yeah. he know, He's seen the pass and he knows Wambasaka's got off a chance mm. of cutting it out. So he cut, does cut across... Wamba yeah. but if the referee has seen that, because he's got some eagle eagle eyes. Yeah, because I thought it was offside, um, but I, I mean, I watched match of the day, and they said no offside was actually given, so they can only speculate that he's given the foul against Suchek. Mm. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting decision, one of many in this game, because I thought if you're looking at that, yes, Suchek does cut across him a little bit, but that. That in itself, it doesn't make it a foul. Wan-Bissaka is no. the one that's lunged in and taken Suchek out. So yeah, I, I, <clears throat> I was very surprised that one wasn't given. <laughs> um, there was 
apparently I keep reading there was three potential Ronaldo penalties. Yeah, but yeah I mean, the are they first... talking about the pullback from yeah, Creswell? Yeah, 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 that's never a penalty. No, um, however, <laughs> I think that was more frustration that he wasn't given. Yeah, he was making a point, yeah, really, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, however, there were two which were a little bit clearer. I've actually gone full circle on the Kufal one. Okay, so you agree with me? I've gone, yeah. Okay. So we originally... <laughs> I thought we were going to have a debate. <laughs> <laughs> we agreed to disagree on the on the chat. Um, my original thought was is that when Kufal put his leg out, that he had already brought it back mm. and then Ronaldo ran into him to make sure there was contact. But having watched it back, he doesn't actually put his leg back. No. The leg is still there. Ronaldo, I still think, does make a movement more towards Kufel than he would have normally done. But at the end of the day, Kufel stuck his leg out yeah. and brought him down. So I think that's, that is a penalty. I mean, Ronaldo's not stupid. I'm sure he would have expected, you know, and he knows what to do in that situation yeah. to win the penalty. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he has made the the best of that okay. situation. But, yeah, you know, I think hands down. And I was saying on the chat with my mates it's a stonewall penalty like yeah. it doesn't get too much clearer than that well it does because about 10 minutes later <laughs> um, Zuma I mean you say that one was a stonewall I mean I don't know what this wall is made of uh, <laughs> it must be like marble or something I mean how on earth has this not been given as a penalty I think yeah. Zuma at one point was even laughing yeah. um, they cut, the camera cut to him I think he had a bit of a maybe a bit of a giggle with Ronaldo because even Ronaldo at this point was just like he just almost was laughing in disbelief more than anything he'd gone beyond the point of being mm. angry um, can you look at anything on that decision and tell me why Martin Atkinson doesn't give that as a penalty? Oh, honestly. Or why VAR doesn't intervene? We were sat in her auntie and uncle's house and I was sat there with my hands on my head with my mouth wide open. <laughs> like, what have I just witnessed? How is that not a penalty? My grandma didn't know what was going on. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean, the only thing that I can think of for both this one and the Kufa one is that the referee, for some reason, has decided that because Ronaldo has initiated the contact, therefore it's not a penalty. Mm. So we've just spoken about how he maybe just diverted to Kufa, but on this one, if you watch the replay, he does throw himself down before the challenge actually hits him. For me, though, that doesn't change the fact that it's still a clear penalty. No. If that had been outside the box, it would have been a free kick. And probably a yellow card. Mm. Um, I I just don't... I think Zuma was superb in that game, but my God, he got away with one yeah. there. Yeah. Okay, next moment. Lingard's free. Lingard's goal. I said, I'm pretty sure I said on here last week that I bet Lingard would score. And I said it in, in the week. I said, I'm going <laughs> to put a five on him scoring because I know it's going to happen. And I didn't, and I'm really annoyed. It was a great goal. Though. It was. It was yeah. an amazing goal. Um... Lingard got a really good reception from the West Ham fans, both when he was warming up and when he came on. So mm-hmm. there was there was a lot of warmth there. He he applauded they probably don't the fans. Like him now. No, I saw a few videos from West Ham. Fans. Oh really? <laughs> like video? Well, just they were like video in the game, and there was it was a bit like no no wanker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was as soon as he um, again Zuma was very good. That was the only mistake he made was letting Lingard come inside mm. like he did. Even so, Lingard's still got an awful lot to do from where he is, and it's an amazing finish. And it was a case of you watching it, and as soon as he hits it, you're like, no, please don't, please don't, please don't. <laughs> and then, of course, it next was in the top corner. He didn't really celebrate, um, which I had a, a, a viral comment, we shall mm. say, on Facebook that went a bit mad about the fact that I said, I don't particularly care if he'd celebrated. As long as he doesn't go and rub it in West Ham fans' faces, mm. I don't see why football fans get so precious about this. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it was a loan. Do you know what I mean? If he played for you properly <clears throat> for like for four two or years, years yeah. etc., you can't like not celebrate against every loan club you play for. Yeah, and even I mean to be honest, you you can be you can celebrate a goal and be respectful to the to mm. the other team at the same time. Mm. Um, and for me, if I'm if I'm a 
Man United fan, if I see one of my players or you know any other fan in this situation, if if I see my player not celebrating a goal, I'm like, but you fucking play. we pay your wages, yeah. you play for yeah. us. I'm not expecting you to do an Adebayor yeah. and go and like run off the length of the pitch and celebrate in yeah. front of the fans. But that it, him not celebrating made me think even more. Like, why did you not join them? Yeah, like if you you've if, refused a contract, like you're not playing for us other than you know coming off the bench, and now you won't celebrate against them. It's just strange for me, but yeah, he's but, trying to be respectful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bruno and Bruno and Ronaldo were very keen for him to not be respectful. <laughs> yeah, shoving him, egging him on to yeah. uh, celebrate, and then of course we get to. One of the most incredible <coughs> moments that I've seen from West Ham games in a long, long time. 95th minute, the aforementioned Yarmolenko, who was poor, wins a penalty, which I think was correctly given. I think his arm sort of was in a natural position because when you kind of put your leg out to block that, that your arm does come out. Mm. But at the same time, when your arm is that far from your body, mm. you're well, I think we trouble. literally had a mirror penalty last week, didn't we? Yes, yeah, you did. And, I mean, I was saying, if your arm's out like that, it's a penalty. And I'm yeah. not going to disagree. As soon as I saw it... He did, the funny thing is, he didn't even give it. No, he didn't. VAR, VAR changed it. it. And the I, linesman had a clear view of that yeah, as well. I think that... The, uh, it's Atkinson, wasn't it? I think he had one of the worst games yeah, of his life, shambles. to be honest. Yeah, really, really shocking. poor. Um, but yeah, I no no arguments. I think it was a it was a penalty. Yeah. Then we get to um, do you know what we talked about this entire game, and I barely even looked at my notes. <laughs> um, Mark Noble is this ninety fifth minute. Mark Noble comes off the bench like NFL special teams style <laughs> to come on and take the penalty. Now West Ham is worth noting here before we talk about whether this is a good bad thing and all that. West Ham have a horrific penalty record recently, including the one that we've just missed in this game. Uh, five of the last six we've missed. Mm. Um, in I think two of those that we missed, I think we ended up scoring the rebounds on. So it wasn't at the time. It wasn't. It was okay, but the the record itself is very poor. And Noble is our penalty taker because he hasn't been playing. He's not been the regular penalty taker. So all those other penalty takers before that missed were not Noble. Yeah. Noble scored ten in ten. So he comes on. Um, it felt to me like a bit of a safe penalty. Like he didn't really go at it in his normal gusto way. Uh, and De Gea made his first penalty save for five, six odd years, whatever it is, since like 2015, 2016. Um, and of course you win the game, but the debate now is about this decision. Now, we've already seen this decision in the Euros with Southgate uh, in the in the final by bringing Rashford and Saka on very late in the game for, for penalty duty. Um, I've had a long time to think about this. Where do you guys stand on this whole, is it a valid excuse to say that the reason that he missed was because he came on cold? No. <laughs> all you got to do is kick a ball I'm kind of with Fran I have to say uh, I well for one I don't think you should bring players off the bench to take I'd, penalties I'd, but with that yeah I don't think you should have done it I think you should have just let whoever was on the pitch and play the game he's added unnecessary pressure by mm. doing that yeah because um, now the only talking point for no you know you don't talk about his game because he didn't play you all he's got from that game is a missed penalty yeah and a viral heat map yeah because it's just literally a dot (laughs) on the penalty spot Um, I don't think it's anything to do with not warming up or anything like that I think the amount of pressure you're under to come off the bench you know the fact that it's one thing taking the penalty but to especially be substituted it's a bit like when a goalkeeper's substituted in to sort of do the penalty shootout and then you're saying oh what if they'd have stuck with the other goalkeeper but I guess also saying that the whole build up of like no but he never misses mm. and De Gea's like hasn't saved one yeah in, in it felt like a perfect storm mm. almost didn't but it? also you just got to come on and kick a ball like warm up my arm well, well, it shows 
Sorry, it shows what little confidence he had in like Declan Rice yeah. to take it. Well, that's what the pundits talking about, mm. wasn't it? Because Declan Rice. Yeah, there, there is that element actually to it as well. Is that you know you've got Lanzini, Yarmolenko, mm. Bowen was on the pitch before he got subbed for Noble, uh, Fornells. These 100%. are all players in good form. I would have. And Rice, you know, you know, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have backed down from taking it. Well, he picked up the ball to take it. Yeah, and then obviously. Um, so so yeah, anyway, so so my argument with this, if you look, we start with the England game in the in the Euros. Rashford missed his penalty not because he wasn't warned because he overcomplicated it. Mm. Mm. Saka's penalty he had the target the keeper just went the right way. He did make it a bit obvious which way he was going but for and also, me also insane pressure. Yeah. European final and yeah. on a young on a young player's shoulder. So you could argue that that those particular reasons the pressure the you know 18 years old just maybe not great not 100% great technique with opening your body up too early those were the reasons he missed. Mm. It had nothing to do with the fact he'd only just come on the pitch. And for me the argument about that he's not in the flow of the game. So, but the game has stopped. Mm. Everybody is literally standing around waiting for you to take this penalty for a free shot from twelve yards. He will be warm in, in to so much the fact that he's he can kick a ball without injuring himself. Um, and this is a man who's played over five hundred games for West Ham. He's our primary penalty taker for the last decade or however long it's been. He's taken a lot of high pressure penalties. If you're if you need somebody to take a penalty in that moment, then he is as good as it's going to get for West Ham, bearing in mind our recent record. So, for me, I think we have to judge the outcome more than the process here. He's missed a penalty. Anybody else on that pitch could and probably would have missed a penalty for West Ham. You just yeah, move on. It's just, just, it happens. I would just say, you know, it wasn't the the best penalty in the world, no. but at the end of the day, if De Gea had dived the other way, it's going in. Yeah, so. and we all hail Moyes as a genius. Yeah. So you know, and one thing I would say as well: Did you see the picture of Ronaldo? No. He was, um, before Noble took the penalty, he was pointing which direction was he? the hair to dive. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure how I feel about that. I mean, I'm, because yeah, the hair might have been already, I'm sure the hair wouldn't have listened to Ronaldo. I mean, would he have even seen him? Like, how, yeah. Was he Was he on the edge of the box or was he a bit further out? He was a bit further out, okay, yeah. yeah. He was just, he just had his hand out. Like, I mean, it might not even, you know, the, that's might just what I've seen. Yeah, it might yeah. not have even been. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. Indeed. Right. Well, um, just to just to round up on on United, um, it was another game for me, which highlighted one other thing was that is Jaden Sancho just getting away with it a little bit? Has Ronaldo coming in helped take the pressure off of Sancho to perform? And is yeah. he, if Ronaldo wasn't there, would Sancho be getting more criticism for his slow start to United life? Yeah, I think. No. Yeah. I think he would be getting more criticism just because the price tag. Yeah, I think unfortunately, which isn't his fault. No. The price tags kind of annoy me, and it annoys me that mm. you know, like I don't see Ben White as a fifty million pound player. I don't think he should be treated as one. Um, same with Harry Maguire. I don't see him as an eighty million pound player. I don't think. He should Do you be treated think Sancho's one. been given the chance though to like? Yeah, I think you know he's he, he. As far as I know, he wanted to come back to the Premier League, and he wanted to go to United because they were the big ones sort of showing interest in him. He was um, a big fish at Dortmund, though. He's not. He's a. Yeah, he's yeah. a middle fish in a much bigger pond mm. at United. Yeah, exactly. Especially with Ronaldo there now. Yeah. As well. um, but you know, he's only started one game, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's the only thing that raises eyebrows a little bit for me. Mm. Uh, maybe this is because Ronaldo's coming. Although you know, he, Sancho was there from basically the start of the season, wasn't he? 
that given the relentless pursuit of him over the last 18 months, two years, I was expecting him to to play a lot more than he has. Yeah, but the problem is, you look at the team Ollie play, Ollie loves McFred. He's <laughs> the only one in the world that thinks McFred works. And so therefore, what do you do with Pogba? You can't bench Pogba. So he puts Pogba left wing, which would be Sancho's position. Greenwood's been unreal. He scored three goals in three games, got an assist last week. Was He probably could have got a goal against West Ham, but it didn't you know, nothing happened. So I feel like Greenwood has earned his spot at the moment. So you can't be taking him out. And then Ronaldo, we didn't need to talk about Ronaldo. So, you know, what do you do with Sancho? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, there's going to be, Maynard have got a lot of games coming up, so we're probably going to see a lot more of I Sancho. I think he'll start against you uh, in the Carabao Cup. Yeah, I 100% agree. Mm-hmm. Um, it'd be a great opportunity for him. I suspect Lingard will probably start as well. Right, uh, he's already said Lingard start. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. No, hey, get a fucking hat trick. Um, <laughs> Hopefully, we can celebrate. <laughs> so, yeah, it just surprises me that he hasn't played a little bit more. Um, and I do think that he hasn't. I think a lot of people would have seen what the sort of things he was doing for Dortmund. And I think they were expecting him to just do that straight away for United, which yeah. possibly is a bit unrealistic expectations wise. I but- mean, I, I never, to be honest, I never really had much expectation. I wasn't in lo- as in love with him as everyone else seemed to be. Um, and I, if, if it had been me, I wouldn't have bought him. I'd have gone for a CDM. But, you know, he's young. He's 20, 21. So, and we've not signed him for a season. We've signed him for four or five. So. Exactly. You know, we, we could be having this conversation in a year's time and he could be mm. first team player every week, banging goals and assisting. Yeah. So, right. Okay. Right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> leave it there. We'll go to a break. When we come back, we've got the uh, new weekly segment or the second weekly segment from Will to go through uh, before we get into some other Premier League games. We'll see you in a minute. Hey everyone and welcome back to the show. So before we get into the rest of the Premier League chat, let's get into the uh, new weekly segment from Will from the Rugby Blind Side. Hello everybody. The big stories coming out this week are mainly from Derby County, who unfortunately have filed notices of their intention to appoint administrators. This has been going on for quite a while now. The situation at Derby hasn't been great over the past few seasons. Uh, The irony is that the club's financial forecasts recently have actually showed an emergence of financial stability. But as many other championship clubs have made the EFL aware, this is actually some misguided information. It's all mainly about amortisation and how Derby have been reporting player salaries and player acquisitions over the past few years. Um, But unfortunately, the club is looking to go into administration, which means more points deductions, bigger fines and not good news for Derby fans. In other news, Tottenham Hotspurs have also agreed a deal with Sky Sports to become the exclusive Korean broadcast partner for the club, um, offering a weekly highlights programme. The main reason behind this is to capture the attention of a new fan base over in Korea. Also, uh, at a press conference this week uh, in Europe, Barcelona's president Juan Laporta painted a pretty grim picture of the fullest extent of the club's financial crisis, saying that its debt had risen to an eye-watering 1.35 billion euros, and he's blaming uh, the previous administration of Josep Bartomeu 
as the reason for the club's financial situation that they're in at the moment. That was it for the big headlines of the past week, but I also wanted to take a quick look at a club-focused approach looking at FC Sheriff, who made their Champions League debut last week. Um, We're going to look at what it means for a club like Sheriff uh, financially to make the group stages of the Champions League and see what happens if they progress any further from that. Um, A little bit of the background of Sheriff, they were founded in 1997 and they come from Transnistia, which is an unrecognised state in between Moldova and Ukraine. Uh, They play in the Moldovan National League. Um, They've... They're a company-owned team, the the Sheriff Company is what they're known as, and the company dominates uh, the region financially and politically and everything like that. To actually show how much um, the Sheriff Company dominates that region, their annual turnover is actually almost double the entire state budget, um, and they just plough an enormous amount of their wealth um, into that region and into that football club. So that's mainly where, where they get their success from. Their success domestically, they've just absolutely dominated over the past few seasons. I think they've won 19 out of the last 21 uh, domestic league titles. Um, But it's also where the weakness lies in their business model. Um, They had the hope of having a model whether they would attract players from uh, Asia, from Africa, develop them and then sell them to other European countries and maybe other um, nations such as Russia and everything like that. But basically the, the level of their domestic league is so poor that they haven't been able to progress these players forward and make any substantial profit from them. Um, This actually shows of their recent financial and transfer history um, where the club has never actually really paid much attention to buying players for any value. I think the highest fee that they've ever played for a player was quite recently in the last window where they've just paid €250,000 for Georgios Athanasidikis from AEK Athens. So that just shows you the type of level that the club is at. In comparison to uh, the other clubs in the group, such as Real Madrid, Inter Milan and Shakhtar Donetsk, Real Madrid's uh, team is valued at 780 million euros, Inter Milan is 575 million and Shakhtar Donetsk is 180 million. So there's just a massive difference between these already established European teams and FC Sheriff. But what FC Sheriff will get Uh, from just qualifying for the group stages of the Champions League is a 16 million euro prize fee. They will also receive 3 million euros per game that they win, which they did last week when they beat Shakhtar the next 2-0. So it's just a massive game-changing moment in time for the club where they can just establish new revenue base, Uh, then attract players from all across Europe who want to play in Europe. So if they can keep doing this on a regular basis, this is something that the club can build on and grow in the future rather than relying on a failed domestic league, which isn't great and isn't going to get them anywhere. Thanks again for listening and I'll be back next week uh, with some more news from the business world of football. See you soon. Brilliant. Thank you very much for doing that, Will. He'll be back next week with some more stories from the world of football and business and all the other bits and pieces that he does. Some excellent insight as always. So let's talk Man City Southampton. It's been a tricky week for Pep Guardiola, hasn't it? Because he's he's uh, he's not been endearing himself to the Man City mm. faithful, would it be fair to say? <coughs> yeah, yeah, I think he actually annoyed quite a few fans. 
uh, with his comment during the Champions League game. I mean, does he have a point? I mean, their, their capacity is 55, just a smidge over 55,000. They got just over 38,000. So that's not far off, you know, was that two thirds capacity, just mm. below two thirds capacity for the first Champions League game of the season. And they missed a cracker as well. They missed nine goals. Yeah. <laughs> um... I mean, well, is he playing with fire here with these sorts of comments? Because yeah. fans are a very, you know, they're very proud. They, they don't like being yeah. told what to do and what to think. I think as well, the fact that, um, you know, there's this whole joke about the empty hat and <laughs> City have no fans. <laughs> I think Guardiola almost sort of fueled that joke. Yeah. by I mean, he, he, he tried to defend it this week uh, before the game, basically saying that he never actually said about, I want more fans, we haven't got enough fans. Mm. He just said that we just need the support. Yeah. And so you can say that all you like, but we all know what you meant, yeah. Pep. You know, we're not yeah. stupid. So I think the fact that it backfired and they drew nil nil yeah, after just, he said that. As well. Yeah, the irony is amazing that after he made the plea, they got not far off a of full house. Yeah, um, and then only managed one shot on target in the 90th minute, which if people had been leaving the game early, they wouldn't even have seen. Mm. <laughs> so um, there were two VAR incidents in this game. Um, one was to, over, to overturn a decision on Kyle Walker, which was originally given as a penalty and a red card. What did we feel on this decision? Do we feel like it was right to overturn it, or should it have st- uh, should it have stayed as it was? I think this was really difficult to yeah. call. Now, for me, VAR has always been about clear and obvious errors. I don't know if there was enough clear and obvious with this one to overturn it. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly that. I think, like you say, it's, it's got to be clear and obvious. Because um, so I can't I can't remember which Southampton player it is. Is it um, was it Redmond? I honestly can't, I can't remember, remember who it was. To be honest. Um, but Kyle Walker, it was a really uh, clumsy tackle. You can mm-hmm. see what he's trying to do, that he's trying to cut across the player and sort of protect the ball as it goes through to Edison. But because he gets it wrong, he literally flattens the Southampton striker. And I don't understand um, how you can say that is a clear and obvious mistake and therefore overturn it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those for VAR and referees this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it was always bound to happen. The VAR was, yeah. was bound to revert to type a little bit and, and refereeing decisions mm. were bound to revert to type. I will say for referees, though, that I am enjoying, they are all seemingly doing a good job and letting the game flow a bit more. Yeah, yeah. I will say that. <clears throat> but yeah, I guess all these things are subjective, right? It's it's an individual person's opinion mm-hmm. and their interpretation of what mm-hmm. is and what isn't a clear foul. So it's always going to divide opinion, but I think sometimes when they're quite clear-cut like that, a bit like the ones in the in the West Ham United game, mm-hmm. you're kind of scratching your head as to what has that person seen, what other piece of information have they got that we haven't seen that makes yeah. them think that you can overturn that. Um, there was also an offside against Raheem Sterling for a late goal. Looked just about okay, though, didn't it? That it was the right call. yeah. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, the margins have been become bigger. So the fact that, you know, it was given, I think, I don't think... Half off- of his foot was off. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think it's as bad as it used to be, you know, when it was like a hairline or is his fingernail. Now it, it, you can be a bit more like, yeah, it's offside. Yeah. Right. Let's get to it. Let's get to the big chat. Let's get to the... Uh, the thing that's probably going to break up our trio, we're going to have to do like a reunion tour in 20 years and make sure we're all on the same page. Our City missing a striker. We've talked about this before. Um, before we get into what we think, <coughs> whether our opinions have changed on this, let's uh, let's get to... It's a lot of coughing going on tonight. Yeah, are you yeah. all right, guys? Um, let's get to what the fans thought. We put a question out earlier today, What the whether or not the fans think 
uh, that City are missing a striker. Um, Fran, what did everyone say? For once, just one word from Joe Morton. I'm yes. really surprised. He must have got called away Either to do something. Either hung over. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've got most teams have an option to interchange their forward line as well as the main striker. I just think they will struggle in the league but could do well in Europe. Interesting what? take. I see what he means because European, when you play in Europe, Europe tend, tends to be a bit more open because teams have to go for it. It's a group mm. stage. If you lay down and try and defend, you're not going to get anywhere. Whereas in the league... Because it's thirty-eight games, teams might be happy to do what do what Southampton did at the weekend mm. and try and contain them. So that's a fair point. Yeah, uh, they have loads of firepower there. The, the one player that might complete them is Origi. Oh, that was Simon. Sorry. <laughs> so for context, Simon hates Origi with an absolute passion, um, and would happily drive him to whichever club he gets sold to. <laughs> so um, Dave McGregor wasn't Jesus a striker before Pep turned him into a winger. And he did this to suit the way he wants his current team set out with a fluid front line. Do you not think City could get a strike if they really wanted one? Are they waiting for Haaland? I hope so, because otherwise it really brings into question what the thinking is here. Um, for, for me, anyway. Yeah, apparently Jesus didn't want to be a striker and he wanted to be a winger. He was brought in as a striker. He was right? brought in yeah. as a striker, but I was listening to Sky the other day and apparently like, he actually sort of had sit-down talks with Guardiola and said that he wanted to become a winger rather than a striker. So, <laughs> so, he wants, so bearing in mind he hasn't had huge amounts of game time over mm. the years with Aguero and whatnot, he wants to go from a position where he's almost guaranteed to play every week because lack of strikers and go into a position that they've just spent 100 million improving where they didn't really need to improve anyway. Although they don't tend to play Grealish as a winger. They tend to play him as like a central midfielder. Mm. This is it goes back to Dave's point about the fluid front line, doesn't mm. it? About the fact that they do interchange. Guardiola sort of championed that tactic when he was at Barcelona. So it's interesting, but I don't is Jesus good enough to get in front of Sterling, Grealish, Ferran Torres, Mares? Apparently he is. Well, that's true. Sterling's not been playing that much, no. is he? I wonder if there's a little bit of a problem brewing there <coughs> with Sterling, because he'd already there were there's some rumours flying around last year that he wasn't mm. happy with his game time. Um, I said already this season that I think when he, I think he was when he gave a post-match interview, he looked really quite stern mm. and not particularly happy. So I wonder if we'll start seeing some stuff coming out if things don't change about whether he wants to stay there or not. Problem is, I think... Where would he go? If, well, I was going to say, but if you go to City, I feel like you've got to know that you're not going to be playing every game. Yeah, I mean, he was probably one of the first... One's there, yeah, wasn't was, he? Yeah, under yeah. was he Guardia? Was he a Guardia purchased, he... or was he a manager before? Yeah. Sterling. Sterling. Mm. He's been there quite a long time yeah, now, yeah, longer than yeah, you might yeah. think. But uh, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, any other comments? Yeah, of course. There's Pete. <laughs> <laughs> um, not the city squad we've seen in recent years. Very hit and miss this season in terms. Of performances and results, saying that they won the league with Aguero pretty much missing from their squad last season, so I don't think a great deal has changed. The league is definitely more open this season. I wouldn't say a striker is a worry. Thank you. <laughs> more of a creative issue in the midfield, which I can't believe I'm saying. Um. But then Chris went on to ask back. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that wasn't. I wasn't about to say that. To be fair, I was about. To, I was about to make no. another point, but. Well, Chris is very much trying to put words in Pete's mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Do you not think that they won't that they won't win the league? What did you mean? Do you not think that they 
That was meant to say won the league. Do you not think that they won the league last year without Aguero was because the other teams were so hit and miss themselves? Pete, definitely a factor for sure. But you can only beat what's in front of you. They started so poorly last season and blew it and blew away the league after the settling period. So much more competitive this season. The fact they can still bag five goals in a game on more than one occasion shows there are goals in them, but to only have one attempt on target against the championship opposition like Southampton... <laughs> Couldn't resist a dig at Southampton, yeah, I know. Yeah, we did... Um, I don't know if you've got it up on your phone. We did get a comment on Instagram as well. Um, I do feel last year was a bit of a... Especially with the pandemic and no crowd, it was a bit of a unique season. Um, I mean, West Ham almost got Champions League. Mm. You don't get much more crazy and unique than that. Um, what? Yeah, sorry, go on. I was just going to say that I think I feel like Chelsea weren't really at the races last year for half of the season until Tuchel came in. Yeah. United were, every time they looked they were going to get close, they screwed it up again. Mm. Liverpool, you know, only scraped in the Champions League by the skin of their teeth. So they really had no opposition last year, City. I know they did go on a very, very good run. Yeah. Um, but the league was, was almost given to them, really. Well, and I think the fact with City, the fact that they were like two, three games a week, um, with City, the squad depth they had. Yeah, it played know, into the, their yeah, hands. Yeah, the whole role reverse in, I mean, like you say, it played right into their hands. The fact that they could just swap their entire 11 and put a new 11 on and it would, you wouldn't even notice the difference. Yeah, no, that's, that's a very good point. Um, have you uh, managed to get Simon's <coughs> on? on Instagram? On Instagram, yeah. He also made a, an Arsenal comment, which we mentioned earlier hmm. about whether or not we, we talk about Arsenal. We will give them an honourable mention at the end, but it wasn't on the running order for this evening. Um, Bravo. <laughs> which one do you um, yes Yeah, the bottom no. one, yeah. They are very capable of winning all the domestic trophies. Europe is the one. Without a recognised striker, if they fail in Europe, they will get the blame. Personally, I don't think having the number 9, 10, 11 will limit them, but imagine if they did have a Haaland, Kane, Lukaku, Lewandowski to finish those chances. Yeah, um, interesting that, you know, we've got quite a wide range of opinions there, didn't we? Because we've got mm. Simon saying that he thinks league will be fine, but Europe will be the one they struggle. And then we had another comment saying the reverse. Um, if What do you guys think? Do you think one will be better than the other? Or do you think they'll be fine in both or struggle in both? What, what do you guys think? Well, we know what you think, Fran, don't we? <laughs> what do you think? I think they need a striker. I don't. I just, you sleep I, in here tonight, mate. Yeah. Well, they've... <laughs> They seem to have, or well, I say they, Guardiola seems to have almost made Ferran Torres the striker. Mm-hmm. Um, but unless I'm wrong, I think he's scored two goals and that was in one game. Yeah. I think Sterling even had a, a period up through the middle mm. in, this, in this game the weekend and we know he doesn't like doing that. Um, I guess just to, just to absolutely clarify the, my reasoning behind this, I we've obviously seen already this season they've had three games in all competitions where they've scored five or more goals. So clearly they've got the ability mm. to put on a show if they want to. If, if everything kind of sits right, if the opposition aren't quite at it, if you, if City are in the mood, they will do that to teams. Mm. My point is is that I think that at some point this season they're gonna they're gonna struggle. And the Southampton game was a perfect example of that. Mm. They created I think it was sixteen chances, but only one on target right at the end. Mm. And. I mean, they may well turn up. I mean, maybe not against Chelsea, but if they were playing, you know, another team, they might turn up and smash someone four 0 next week. Mm. But I think that if if that happens half a dozen times this season and they drop mm. anything between twelve and eighteen points because of it, mm. with the way the league is compared, that's going to cost them the league this year. I just think it's quite nice that, like, you obviously with West Ham, you have the issue of like if Antonio's out, you're fucked. Whereas they happily have the 
I just think it's quite nice that they have so many people that can smash a goal. I mean, that's what they're about. And we said last week, that's what they're banking on, isn't it? They're banking on all of their frontline players are all yeah. going to chip in with like eight to ten goals. Yeah. And then... Well, look at Gundogan last season. Yeah, I was going to say as well, I wonder if uh, De Bruyne might take that number nine spot. Because he's going to be wasted up there though. Well, I don't know, because you look at their midfield, um, who do you take out that centre midfield role? You've got Rodrigo, Gundogan and Grealish. Yeah, and you still got um, Fernandini. I know he's coming to the end mm. of his career, but he's still in the mix as well. Yeah, I don't... I mean, look, Pep knows better than we do. Let's, let's, let's be honest. Pep, Pep knows, knows his, best. Excuse me, he knows his squad better than we do. Um, I just feel like we're going to... This conversation that comes up in the media and with, with us as well, when we see this sort of... This is going to happen several it's times this season, boring. I think. <laughs> um, and I just feel like I don't know... You know, when you, we talked about Chelsea earlier, when we said about that you you thought that it was goals. goals coming from all angles, it it goes understated sometimes when that happens is that the centre centre backs are, are so occupied with someone like Lukaku mm. that they then can't track those midfield runners as well. Mm. Um, and I just I think if you I guess if I put it to you like this, if 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 Van Dyke is is playing against anybody, who do you think he's more worried about coming up against? Chelsea with Lukaku. United with Ronaldo or City with like Ferran Torres or Sterling or Sterling. Who do you think he's more worried about? As a defender, I mean his particular role, because obviously he's he's obviously got to defend, he's got to keep keep a clean sheet, mm-hmm. but his primary role is to deal with whoever's playing up front. Yeah, but now you've said it like that, I think he'd be more worried about City, you know. You reckon? The fact that they've got three, four, five players that can score. Do you think so your your angle is is that any one of any one of those four or five could be playing. Yeah, for me, it's the moment. fact that he can't just concentrate on his. Jo- you know, if he's playing Chelsea, yeah, obviously the big threat's Lukaku, mm-hmm. but that's his job. He concentrates on Lukaku. Everyone else can deal with the other stuff. Whereas he plays City, who who does he concentrate on? Who's the man he's marking? Because yeah. you've got four or five danger men yeah. that can score goals. So no, that's a very good point. Um, I mean, just to touch on the Chelsea game this weekend. Um, I mean, it's gonna, it's going to be. I really hope it's going to be a great... I really hope it's going to be one of those sort of dull affairs mm. where the big teams cancel oh, each other out. Um, if it's not, I genuinely think this could be an amazing game. And this mm. could be... Because of the, because of the way the Chelsea-Liverpool game went with the red card, we didn't really get to see Chelsea and Liverpool go yeah. toe-to-toe for the full 90. On the assumption that something like that doesn't happen in this game, this could really be a marker for, you know, who is mm. the serious... Who, who's in the kind of the driving seat right mm. now. Think it'd be a draw I don't know. I mean, you know, I, last, can, see, I can see a draw. Last few times they played each other, Chelsea have won. I think last three. Tuchel's um, had his number. Mm. Cup two games. of them have been cup finals. Yeah, so. two cup finals, a league, mm. uh, and, he, and Tuchel won, and basically played the same way every time. Mm. Um, it's almost like he was like, I found the magic formula to be Pep. And the big thing that we said about the Champions League final was that City didn't have a striker or a central midfielder. Or a, yeah, CDM. CDM. Yeah. yeah so. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. interesting. It's going to be interesting. Mm. Let's just talk briefly about Southampton. Um, Four draws from their opening five games, including City, West Ham and Man United. So it's not been the easiest start for them. Mm. Um, So not not horrific. You know, I think that's something to build from. Did you say that's a reasonable start for them? Or do you think... Yeah, I think... uh, Was it first game? I think they lost... Was it to Newcastle? Um, Second game to Newcastle. Second game lost to Newcastle. I think first two games... I was sort of almost starting to say they might be in that relegation zone. Mm-hmm. I mean, they sold all their best players, didn't they? They sold Danny Ying, sold uh, Vestergaard. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. they sold someone else as well. 
Um, I mean, you know, the last two games, they've kept clean sheet against City and they've kept clean sheet against West Ham. Mm-hmm. So and two, of the high scoring teams in, yeah, two of the mm-hmm. highest scoring teams in the league. Yeah, so... I mean, the Wolves next is the big one. Mm. Um, Wolves, you know, we'll, we'll talk about them in a minute. It's live on Sky on Sunday. Um, it's a game that both teams will be desperate to win for, for different reasons. Southampton's season, it's not, I wouldn't say it's stuttering because of the games they've mm. had, but Wolves most certainly is. So three points to either side will be huge. Yeah, and Wolves have only scored one goal. I mean, they've two. won two. Well, one was an own goal there. True. So they've only scored one goal of their own making. Um, and that was their new player that came off the bench. Yeah. So the starting eleven that started every game haven't actually scored any goals. They've created the most chances out of any other team. They just can't score. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, talking of goals, I mean, the, that is the only thing I worry about for Southampton is where these goals are mm. going to come from. Mm. Danny Ings obviously was a huge contributor to that last season for them. They signed Adam Armstrong, but he's only got one so far this season. Yeah. James Ward-Prowse and Eleanor have got the other one goal each. Um if they don't start putting in a few goals, again, appreciate the teams they've played. You know, it's not you're not going to be scoring two and three mm. against United and City and West Ham. Um, but if they don't start putting a few in the back of the net, it's going to get an issue for them because they're going to the pressure mounts on the defence to try and keep clean sheets every week. Yeah, and clean sheets as nice as they are, they don't win you games alone. So no, exactly. So I think um, I think they'll be happy with their start of the season, but I think they do need this Wolves game is massive for them. If they can yeah. win that game. I haven't looked at their fixtures beyond that, um, but if they can win that, it gives them a bit of a, right, come on, our season's going now. Mm. Now we can build and, and maybe crawl up the table a little bit. Um, let's talk Aston Villa-Everton. Uh, first loss for Rafa Benitez with a much depleted side, it has to be said. No Richarlison, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Coleman or Pickford, which meant big Rondon got his debut. How did you feel he did, Dan? Um, we didn't score, so not great. <laughs> <laughs> I did see um, there was one chance he had. I think it was in the first half where it was fizzed into him, mm. and most strikers would have like done something to try and divert the ball towards goal first time. But he took what was quite a nice first touch, but unfortunately <coughs> it took him away from the goal and just yeah. narrowed the angle, and he couldn't couldn't get the shot away. Um, Villa obviously took the uh, took the spoils. Also a debut for Begovic, of course, as well with Pickford mm. not playing. Uh, Villa took the spoils. Great goal from Matty Cash. Oh, what a sublime goal that was! Every time I look like at Jack him, Grealish in the making, it is, it is. I just look at him and I think, oh, Grealish. Oh, yeah, it's not him, is it? It's Matty Cash. <laughs> Did I hear right in the in the in the week that he's got Polish parentage and they, there's a chance that he could end up playing for Poland? I never heard that. <laughs> I'm sure it was him they were talking about. I'll have to fact check that. Because that, yeah, that could be completely missing the mark there. But I'm pretty <laughs> sure it was him. Um, uh, an own goal uh, in the middle of that as well. And Leon Bailey mm. came on. It was a very short cameo for him. Yeah, he got injured. He got injured. He was only on the pitch for uh, 18 minutes yeah. <laughs> or 20, 20 minutes uh, before he went off injured. But it was a hell of a hell of a goal and a mm. hell of a performance from him. Yeah. He looks, I mean, I rated him when he was at Leverkusen, to be fair. I think he'll be a very good player when he eventually gets himself settled in. Yeah, and he, obviously he's one of the players they brought in to fill that void yeah. uh, from, from Jack Grealish. Um, they looked, looked all right in this game as a, as a whole. Yeah, they looked really they looked good. Really I good. didn't see that result coming at all, to be honest. No, I mean, I'll be honest, I didn't know the, the injury issues that Everton no, had no. Um, before I saw the result. No. Um But it, what it does what it does do is draw into question actually the strength and depth of Everton. Yeah. Um, because granted, those four players there are you know big players, but clearly, team, but clearly yeah. the players that are coming in are not quite up to the grade. Rondon hasn't played in the Premier League for a number of years. Mm. We don't know what he's going to be like having played in China. Um, there were some strange signings. Um, Damari Gray's worked out quite. He's worked out well, yeah. but 
He's not worked at any of his other previous clubs, so that was a massive gamble. And I feel like Andros Townsend is a very streaky player. Mm. Yeah. You know, he would do a good thing and then you won't see him for three or four yeah. games. Um, and I can't remember the other player they signed. I think it was another free signing. I feel like they signed four. Well, they had Begovic, oh, didn't they? Yeah, Begovic, yeah. 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 Um, I mean, from, from an Aston Villa point of view, they're now 10th in the league. Um, they've not had the easiest of starts. Ne- it's not going to get any easier, is it, looking at their next three games? No, Chelsea, United and Spurs mm. to come. <laughs> that's uh, that's not the easiest uh, run of games, is it? Uh, no goals for Ollie Watkins this year yet. Um, no, he did miss the first few games, though. Um, yeah, he's only played, I think, 180-odd minutes or yeah. so. Um, do you think, you know, that what we saw from him last year, do you think that he's going to be negatively affected by Ings turning up? We talked yeah. about it earlier in the season that he's going to be pushed out wide. Um, do you feel like that we are not going to ever see him in an England shirt again effectively is my question? Yeah, unfortunately not. I think uh, yeah, I think Danny Ings has taken that central role. I think in one of the games, the first game he came back, they did actually play like a 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just don't think you can get away with four four two nowadays. To be honest, no, no. I think I mean Ing. I suppose the one this one saving grace is that Ings has got an injury in him. Mm, um, yeah. So Watkins will undoubtedly get the opportunity to play through the middle again. So it's going to be down mm. to whether he can take that opportunity and potentially keep Ings out of the side if he does well. I think enough. it's a shame, really, because he did have such a great season last season for him mm. to. And he scored for England yeah, on his debut. For him yeah. to be the full guy, I think, is a shame. Yeah, it is. Um, from an Everton point of view, they've now conceded 10 goals uh, this season in sorry in their last four Premier League away games. That's as many as they'd conceded in their previous 14 in the road in the competition. Uh, Lucas Dean, Luca Dean, mm. sorry, he had an afternoon forget, to forget, didn't he? Yeah, he's not been uh, not been that great, I don't think, this season so far. No, I, I always had a few question marks defensively about him anyway. Mm. But going forward, he always looked really, really good. Yeah. And he's not been, so far anyway, he's not been able to meet that sort yeah. of... Uh, Expectation, but he he obviously scored the uh, the own goal. He switched off for the first goal for Matty Cash, and he allowed mm-hmm. Matty Cash to get wrong side of him. Um, great finish, nonetheless. And he's still got a lot to do from there, mm-hmm. but it was the original mistake. And we just talked about the, the strength and depth there. So you know, on the assumption that if Everton don't have these players around, you know, you can't rely on these players to be there every single week because nine times out of ten they are going to have periods out with injuries. Dominic Calvert Lewin has got an injury in him. Yeah. Um, mm. I'm not sure Pickford is that big of a player that mm. he's going to make that much of a difference. Coleman is in his mid-30s. Coleman's getting on a bit and Richarlison, I know the record of him in the team and their results is swayed yeah. to the point where yeah. you know they need him. But, so yeah, if you take Richarlison and Dominic Calvaloon as the two big ones there, you know, are they really struggling if one or two of them don't play? Well, I think, I feel like, I don't know how much... Benitez thought Rondon was sort of going to be playing this season, but potentially going to be playing a bigger role than he maybe thought. Yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't want to talk too negatively about Everton because they have had a very good start yeah, to the yeah. season. Mm. They're still they're still sixth in the league yeah, right now, yeah. so it's not that we're uh, we're looking at them and th- thinking they're going to struggle this no, year. No. I think that the start they had, the fact that Benitez in charge, I think maybe expectations were maybe a bit higher than they should be. Is that yeah. would that be fair? Mm. Yeah, because I think everyone sort of assumed he'd come in and make them this just defensively solid unit. Um, whereas I actually think they look the weakest at the back. Yeah, I, I think agree. They look good going forwards, but no, I agree. And then um, and they got Norwich, Norwich next, which is the team that everybody wants to play mm. to bounce back from a loss. They've had a very nice run, have they? They've had an awful run, <laughs> absolutely awful. Um, 
So we'll touch on them in a moment. Let's just quickly talk Wolves-Brentford before we close with a couple of honourable mentions. Massive win for Brentford. And the more I watch yeah. them, the more I, the more I think that you know, they are very much at home in the Premier League. They look very comfortable, very calm and very assured they of themselves. They kept saying that. The pundits kept saying that. Yeah. I mean, they've had, what, like four clean sheets? Three clean mm-hmm. sheets? I mean, they're not scoring many goals, no. but they're doing enough. They're trying. Um, they're doing enough to, to get points. Mm. And ultimately, for a team like Brentford, whose sole purpose this season is to make sure they survive... Um, they've made a very very good start, haven't they? Yeah. What have you? Um, what did you make of Ivan Tony in this game and his start to the season overall? Um, I thought the first game against Arsenal, he was unreal. Um, the way he just sort of controlled the ball, and I think you can see what they do. Like he's the target man, and then Embuemo is the one that runs off him and yeah. sort of creates the chances. Um, but yeah, I think he's taken to the Premier League really well. I feel kind of wish I'd maybe hanged on to him in my. <laughs> I can't say I'd really noticed him until this game but I feel like that's maybe because I hadn't watched them on that yeah. show <laughs> um, I mean he's been a bit quiet I think he scored one goal before this game he was um, good in this game though. yeah he played really well yeah I mean I guess it's difficult just to say exactly what sort of effect he's having on games mm. because we don't watch 90 no, minutes of Brentford every week so we are kind of judging him a little bit unfairly based yeah. on just goals and involvements and chances and things um, but he's got all the attributes he, you know he's, he's powerful he hmm? where's he from in country no as in like what so he was at Brentford last season oh, he was. Um, yeah, yeah. record record number of goals in the championship last year he was at mm. Peterborough before that I think mm. so he's come up through the leagues yeah. he was at Newcastle he came through Newcastle's youth team yeah and they got rid of him because he weren't good enough mm. they need him now they do um, so yeah and then just talking on Ivan on Ivan Tony the the first goal, I mean Fernando Mar- Marcal I think that's how he pronounces his, his name the Wolves defender. I think clearly he's taken out the wrong sport yeah, because what he was doing. this is possibly one of the most obvious, <laughs> stupid, mindless, reckless challenges I've ever seen, yeah. and it was like right in front of the referee. Really, as well though, like they showed it the camera angle behind the referee. Referee was actually waving no to start with. (laughs) And then I think he obviously thought, no, yeah, that's different. (laughs) It was incredible because, you know, it genuinely was rugby because if you imagine Tony having the ball in Mm. his hands, this guy was holding on to him and dragging him down by his waist by the end of this. Um, I mean, if I was... um, I can't remember what the Wolves manager name name is now, but it written down here somewhere. Um, Bruno Lager, Bruno yeah. Lage, whatever, however you pronounce the surname. Um, if I was him, I'd be absolutely fuming yeah. with that because you're under the cosh. You're, you've not had a great start of the season. You're not scoring goals. You do not need your defenders giving mm. away uh, penalties like that. Mm. So, what a penalty it was as well. Oh man, you don't see many one step penalties. So chill. <laughs> yeah, really. I wish he was playing for West Ham. I'm done with him against United. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, I mean, he would, totally was a constant thorn in the side. I mean, the, the second goal was quite weird because I didn't feel like Tony or Kilman were running particularly fast. Mm. And then all of a sudden, it looked like Kilman had the the opportunity to get the tackle yeah. in, but didn't really like it's, the technique of the tackle. Little, it reminded me of a FIFA tackle where you tackle and it just bobbles about, hits the striker, and then they're through on goal. Yeah, um, and then of course he rolls it across, and yeah. Buemo has a as a tap in. Done well to squeeze it, sort of over the defender's leg as well yeah I mean both sides rattled the crossbar throughout the game um, they just look so comfortable and this is their first mm. top flight season for 70 odd years um, and they've had many prom- promotion or playoff heartaches over the years as well <laughs> um, and for them to just come into the Premier League and just settle the way they have I mean it's 
it's quite Sheffield United-esque of the first season there in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. So where do you think the um, the limit is for them this season? Um, I don't want to get too ahead of ourselves. No, here. I don't <laughs> see them doing no. Sheffield and sort of being up there for European places, but I think they could quite easily finish mid-table at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth noting it's been a quite a favourable yeah. run of fixtures. They've not played any of the, the bigger boys. So it will be interesting to see how they get on, but I think because of... Because of that, we talked about the negative side of having a bad start with Norwich, mm. that their confidence is now completely shot. Whereas Brentford, they've done the other way around. They've had an easier start. Yeah. Their confidence is higher. So when they play these bigger teams, they'll be more you know, confident of being able to to sneak a result. So it's going to be intriguing when they come up against the likes yeah. of Liverpool and Chelsea and United and whatnot. So uh, let's talk... Wolves, Traore's barren run goes on. Uh, I think I had a look at his stats. I've got them here. Uh, four and a half thousand dribbles, three and a half thousand turns, 500 kilometers sprinted, 400 shots and zero goals. To be fair, in that game, he should have had two returns. <laughs> um, that shot that hit the crossbar that was deflected, that was unlikely. Oh, he hit that really very yeah. hard, didn't he? That was, um, that was a strike. And I think it was towards the end of the game when he absolutely donned their left back. I don't know how he got past him. Uh, he was like right on the touchline. He sort of managed to knock it past, run around him. And then he sort of did a cross just as it was going out. And Jimenez somehow headed it wide from right in front of the goal. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bit of a problem for Wolves right now, Troy, right? Because like, nobody's scoring for them at the moment. As no. we mentioned earlier, they've only got one goal from open play that they've scored. And as you said, they got the own goal as well. They failed to score in four of their five opening fixtures. Mm. Um so they've they've not really got anything to show for their efforts, and this Bruno Lago is, is quite clearly keen to persist with Triore. He's put a lot of faith in him by playing him through the middle. Um, they've brought in another striker um, from Leipzig. Um, yeah, so Jimenez hasn't quite been able to find his feet yet. Well, I think I mean, that's more the problem than Triore. That Jimenez. Yeah, I think Jimenez has been more the problem because. I watched Traore only because he's been in my team. I have been watching. <laughs> Willing him, him on. <laughs> yeah, but he does. I don't think he's in there to be a goal scorer. He's he does create chances because he does sort of get past players and he, he whips the ball. And unfortunately, Jimenez has just not been his sort of old self. Yeah. Mm. Um, so you feel like if Jimenez puts a few in, I all think of a sudden if things are going to change. Gets back to his old self. You start to see more from Traore because he he is getting the balls in that, and we all know he can't score. He's yeah. not a goal scorer. Yeah, we've not seen a huge amount from players like Daniel Podence either. You know, he no, had a couple of really good games last season. And Neto, I think, is injured yeah. as well. Um, so maybe things will change when those yeah, guys get back into the fold. Got, obviously, that Trincao from Barcelona, mm-hmm. he hasn't really done too much yet. The interest in Jimenez actually took his uh, head guard off. Did he? Yeah, because mm. he missed a header and, and then he, then took, he it took it off and threw it on the floor and carried on playing. So was was that a covering the embarrassment of missing that he's yeah. blaming on the headband? Maybe, yeah. Um, I don't imagine his doctors would be particularly happy with well, him taking the man- it off. They asked the manager about it afterwards and he said he sort of said, you know, sometimes when you wear these things that it affects the direction of the ball. Does it? Yeah. Does it? Okay. <laughs> okay, right. Well, it's yeah, shaping up to be a tricky season for Wolves at the moment. Yeah. Um, let's just do a quick couple of honourable mentions because there was yep. actually a couple of other things to talk about um, that we just didn't have time to put in the running order. Um, Brighton. Outside uh, title contenders, yeah, yeah, fourth Champions in the league. league. Oh, it's unbelievable stuff. They've had another brilliant performance, and Leicester, meanwhile, two wins from five. Um, I mean, they've had the joint least amount of shots out of any Premier League team as well. That's crazy, isn't mm. it? Uh, I think it's got under the radar a bit actually how much Leicester have 
yeah. really struggled so yeah. far this season. Um, but yeah, as we say, on the other hand, Brighton just going from strength to strength. They just seem mm. riding this wave of positivity. Is sitting fourth. And well, did you, did you watch the game at all? Uh, I saw the highlights. Yeah. So, you, what did you think about the penalty? So for me, it's not the handball. It's the fact that more pays holding his arm and pulling him down. Yeah. He's like sort of bear hugging his arm and, <laughs> and then Vestergaard's like for me it was a free kick to Vestergaard more than a penalty yeah I can yeah if if if, if Mope hadn't been holding him mm. and he'd done it I think fair enough but because Mope is as you say doing a an impression of that Wolves defender from yeah. earlier <laughs> I think that it's that was quite harsh yeah um, I can't remind me was it given or was it a VAR over, overturned one uh, VAR no it was given and then they checked VAR and, and they, then they gave it they still it. Yeah, okay. yeah. but I don't know if they actually looked because they were obviously looking yeah. at the fact was it handball was it not handball I don't think they even looked at the fact like was it a foul was it not a foul mm, was there a foul in the build up okay um Arsenal got another well-needed win. We touched on them earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. We said Arteta needed wins from the Norwich and Burnley games. And he's duly got them. Um, it was one of, I think it's those situations where <coughs> results are much more important than the performances. Um, they obviously created a lot of chances against Norwich, only scored mm-hmm. the one scrappy goal. Um, this one was a bit more of a scrappy affair. No real clear, particularly no. clear opportunities. Just that one moment of magic from Odegaard from the free kick. Um, so it's, it is... Um, it is amazing to 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 think that you know one more win against Spurs next weekend, and all of a sudden they're level on points with Spurs. And football, I don't think until Arsenal come against better opposition and really start controlling yeah, games, I, th- I, was just gonna say, I don't I think, think this narrative is going away. I think away. this is a massive game for them. Not only is it Spurs, but it's a, a game where they can sort of say, you know, we, we are have here. changed. Yeah, yeah, yeah we've because, improved. I mean, Burnley aren't pushovers, but. You look at Norwich and Burnley. I don't think you can say, "Oh, we, we're going to be fighting for Europe." No, it's it's a, a bit of a, it's one of those games where you're in a no-win situation because if you beat Norwich and Burnley, well, you're expected to because mm. you're Arsenal. But if you lose, it's a huge story. Yeah. Um. So, but they they got the job done. They yep. got the six points, which is what they needed. Um. It gives them something to build on. Um. Two clean sheets as well, which will yeah, be yeah, um yeah. big for the, the confidence. Ramsdale in played in both of them as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll obviously keep an eye on that, and I know um, we will have to give uh, credit where credit is due if uh, if Arsenal do start turning things around. Yeah, if they beat um, Spurs, then fair enough. Yeah. I will admit that they are on the run, on the turn. <laughs> um, so uh, Norwich finally doing their best to mm-hmm. uh, make Sheffield United feel better about themselves after their season last year. Yeah. Had an awful run, as we've said, but they are just not showing anything right now. I mean, I'm literally seeing people already writing them off and saying that they're as good as gone. I mean, it is great. We're not even into October yet, mm. and people are already writing off Norwich. But when you see the performances, obviously this weekend was a massive game for them, losing 3-1 to Watford. Yeah. I that's think, at home as well. That's yeah. really damning. I think that was the game they really needed to get those three points in. And that, like you say, they, they were smashed. It wasn't like a, a close game, and they were unlucky. They were smashed. Yeah, literally the only positive from that is that Pookie scored. Yeah. That's the only positive from that they can take from was, that game. Did you see the stat about his goal as well? No. As his first goal, well, Premier League goal, from open play in 24 games. Wow. Wow. I mean, that, that, in line, therein lies the problem mm. for, for Norwich. Um, they, their recruitment every time they come up to the Premier League is not good enough um, to, to survive. No. So, right, okay, um, so that wraps up all our Premier League stuff. We'll get on to the quiz in a moment, but before that, let's get through the stats.
than the stat man. Only one other player has netted more Premier League goals for Brighton than Neil Morpay. Any ideas who that player is? My guess would be Glenn Murray. It is Glenn Yes. Oh, put you in good stead for the next yeah. bit. Dan's not happy about that. No, I don't. <laughs> I feel like it couldn't really have been anyone no. else, could it? Um, I was trying to think, because historically they've never scored that many goals no. anyway. Um, and if it's not Neil Mopay, <coughs> or, if it's, or rather if it's not Glenn Murray, then who else could it have been? Yeah, I can't even think of who else have they had up front, the, had up front in the Premier League era. Um, yeah, no idea. Anyway, uh, let's get on to the quiz. It's three two to me. Mm. Fran's back in the hot seat. Here we go. football with Fran there was a a pretender in your chair last week Fran (laughs) I hope it was awful well for the last two weeks because Will pretty much did it the week before oh yeah are you like you're just delegating now (laughs) I I wish I'm trying to find players it's not my niche at the moment Uh, who went first last week me my serve so oh look at him legs crossed look at him I'm ready I'm surprised you've got a pen and paper (laughs) glasses on (laughs) So, the first player is Craig Bellamy with nine teams. Any thoughts? We are on a podcast, so it's mm. verbal. Yeah. How are we feeling? I feel like we've done him before. I have well. a feeling we might have done, yeah. but it was, all, it was a while ago. It was I think. It, a long time ago, and I wrote next to it that you This game has now become a test of our memories as well, yeah. as well as our knowledge. Um, three... I will go for. Yeah, I'll let you do it. I can't think of. I'll probably kick myself when you read them. Uh, West Ham. Mm-hmm. Portsmouth. No. Is he not? I was going to. Yeah. <laughs> what a knobhead. <laughs> I don't remember him playing for Portsmouth. I thought, well, the other ones I had were Liverpool. Um, Cardiff. Cardiff, Man City. Yeah. I could so, have also yeah. have done um, Liverpool. Did I say Liverpool? Yeah, Liverpool. I've had a mare. I've had an absolute mare. City was mine. (laughs) It's a good thing that was on your serve. Norwich, Coventry, Newcastle, Celtic Cologne, Blackburn, Liverpool, West Ham, Manchester City, Cardiff on loan, Liverpool, Cardiff. I think I got very overconfident with that. (laughs) I could have sworn he played for Portsmouth. I don't know why. Uh, Wikipedia says no. (laughs) You know, sometimes you can when you when you're doing this when you don't have pen and paper, you're just thinking. Can you envision him in yeah. that kit? And for some reason, I, I can think of him in a Portsmouth kit, but clearly not. Pete's going to hate me for that one. Right, well, there you go, Dan. Yeah. Got to keep it interesting. <laughs> so, a niche one here. Next one is... Titus Bramble. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Six teams. <laughs> Definitely six. I will start the bidding with three. (laughs) Daniel? (laughs) No, I'll let him. I'll let him have it. Go on then, Chris. Sunderland. Yes. Wigan. Yes. Who was the other one I just had in my head that I was literally... Newcastle. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Those are the th- That's all I had. Well the, the fourth one I was going to take a stab at was QPR. 
No, so okay. it would have been Ipswich, Colchester, Newcastle, Wigan, Sunderland, Stowmarket. Oh, never. Stowmarket, yeah. that, that well-known team. He made one appearance. <laughs> never would have got Ipswich and Colchester, so... Well done, Chris. There you go. Mm. Dan, back to you. Mm-hmm. My pal JJ, Jermaine Genius. Five teams. Oh, this is a tough one, this one. Mm. If you get the bid right. <laughs> uh... Two. Son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have to go three because the, the two two are the obvious ones. I've got yeah, to go three. I'm not going four, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, so Tottenham, yeah. QPR. Yeah. My third guess, Norwich. No. That. One, yeah, if I was going to guess, I'd say Newcastle. Yeah. Oh, he wasn't? Of course yeah. he was, yeah. Yes. So Nottingham Forest, Newcastle, Tottenham, Villa, Nottingham again, and then QPR. You can have a go tonight, mate. We're just gonna. Well, well I, I mean, feel like I, you're I, hogging I, it. To be honest, Chris. <laughs> you got to play the game. <laughs> play the opposition. Uh, right, Chris. Next, uh, Patrice Evra. Eight teams. I love this game. Um... Definitely eight. Eight. <laughs> I will go with four. Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. France don't count. <laughs> Are we throwing it back to Chris? Yeah, I don't yeah. think I can do five. I'll let you do your four. Well then, Chris. May United. Yeah. Marseille. Yeah. West Ham. Yeah. Juventus. Yeah, mm-hmm. smashed it. Yeah. Oh, two all. No, my four. I can't um, think of any. At the start, Marseille. Marseille. I don't want to look in case I see. It's not Marseille. Oh. You can see it. Yeah, Marcella. Marcella. Mm-hmm. Monza. Did you get rice and poppin' arms with that? <laughs> so I was like, I feel like I'm Chinese here. Monza, Nice, Monaco, United, Juventus, Marseille, West Ham. Oof, right, well, last one, Dan. Your serve. All right. Should be actually your niche, but we'll see how this goes. I feel like I've done a Mark Noble now. Put pressure yeah. on you. David Beckham. Oh, what is this? What is this? What an absolute home run that is. That is disgraceful. Six teams? As a Man United fan, I expect you to name all six. I feel like I've put mad pressure on you now. All six? I expect you to be able to name... I think you should be able to do five or or, or all six. Chris, leave them alone. (laughs) Is Is it six? Six, yeah. For our listeners, Dan cannot count in his head, so he's using yeah. his fingers. I can do five. Yeah, there's, I think we can both do five. <laughs> <laughs> so who, did he, who was that last one? I, th- I think I know who the sixth one was, personally. But I, it will be a... Well, I need to guess, don't I? I think, I think one of them is alone. Uh, uh, I'm, sure, I'm going to go six. I'm pretty sure it. I know where he went on loan. Go on, him. All yours. Um... So United, yeah. Real Madrid, yeah. AC Milan, yeah. LA Galaxy, yeah. Um, what was it? United, Real Madrid, AC, AC Milan, Man. LA, LA Galaxy. Galaxy. How many is that? Four. That's four. Real Madrid, AC Milan, LA Galaxy. Oh, Ooh, big team. PSG, yeah. 
And I'm pretty sure he went on loan to like some club like Preston. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That's who I was going to say. <laughs> Smashed it. Well done. Yeah, Preston. I, I thought you'd screwed it. I thought you could have, I thought you'd <laughs> Honestly, completely forgotten PSG. I did. And I was thinking, I was like doubting myself. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it and then look like an idiot. Oh, well, three apiece. Mm. This one, this one could go down to the wire. This one. Yeah. Getting juicy, this one. Well done. Right. Excellent. Well, <coughs> thank you very much uh, for listening, everybody. We will see you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.